0: Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on
1: SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head
0: over to research.swee.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in Swee Magazine's State of Women in
1: Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Karen Hording, Executive Director and CEO of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm excited to be joined today by uh, a We Local Europe keynote speaker, Carla Baragno. With more than 30 years of experience in engineering, manufacturing, procurement, and site management, Carla brings unique insight and expertise to her role as Senior Vice President, Head of Global Engineering and Facilities for Roche. In this role, Carla is responsible for the design, construction, maintenance, and lifecycle asset management for Roche's Global Manufacturing Network. Carla is also a respected mentor in the industry and the local community and has been recognized by the San Francisco Business Times as one of the most influential women in business in the Bay Area. I will also personally say that she is one of the most inspirational keynote speakers we've ever had at Sweet. So thanks for joining us today, Carla.
0: Oh, Karen, it's a delight to be here, and thank you for that very warm introduction.
1: So let's start today's podcast kind of going way back to the beginning and talk about what initially sparked or inspired your interest in STEM.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. And, you know, when I think back many, many years ago, um, it really started in elementary school and I really enjoyed math a lot. Now, my dad, also being an engineer... He really encouraged me and uh, gave me confidence uh, to pursue math and again this was when I was a little girl it was in in the 70s and um, you know as I got older and got into high school I started enjoying physics and chemistry and I always heard things from my mom and dad about you know you know continue to study math maybe one day you'll be a math professor maybe one day you'll be a, you'll be an engineer and it was when I was in high school that my dad really, really gave me the confidence to pursue engineering. And he would say things to me like, don't be afraid to go into a man's field. You'll do fine. You're good at this and enjoy it. So I really um, am quite grateful for my father for giving me that confidence to pursue a field in engineering back in the days where there were very, very few women in this field.
1: Yeah. I love that you talk about the importance of the confidence. Um, So much of what SWE does with our outreach activities is really try to build that confidence in girls. And I think it's terrific that you had that from from really the very beginning. So you get out of high school, um, you're going to college. Tell us about where you went to school and kind of how that college experience influenced your career
0: sure and, and this is a, a, a bit of a funny story so I studied chemical engineering at UC Berkeley and I had an emphasis in uh, material science and uh, so by all accounts I really should have ended up in high tech uh, not in the biotech space and um, but I just i i loved um, chemistry I, I loved the math and the engineering but when I finished college it was in the right in the middle of a, a big recession here in the United States and it was actually tough for engineers to get Jobs. And so I decided that this was a great opportunity for me to spend some time traveling in Europe. And uh, I have a lot of family in Italy. So I went over to Italy for the summer. And of course, this was with my father saying you should get a job first and then ask for time off. And I was a little bit of a renegade and and wanted to do it a little bit backwards. And um, when I got back, I started looking for a job and um, I got sick, actually, got a really bad uh, flu and went to the family doctor. And this family doctor happened to be the company doctor for a small biotech startup called Genentech, which I had never heard of. And he asked, what was I I doing? And I said, well, I'm looking for a job. I studied engineering. He says, well, you should look into Genentech. And so taking any lead that I could, I called the company and I said, do you hire chemical engineers? And they said, "Uh, yes, we do. And keep in mind, this company wasn't even 10 years old. There was less than 800 people. Um, Biotech really was just an emerging field. And I went in for an interview for an entry-level job. It was not even a, um, an engineering uh, job. it was a job entry level in manufacturing working the night shift. And um, they offered me the position, and I just said, yes. And if if you think about as engineers, what we're taught in school, we're taught, taught to gather data, analyze the data, make decisions based on the data. And here was a role that I was being offered. It was not an engineering job. It was not the salary that I thought I should be making for a starting level engineer. It was in a field that I knew nothing about. And my intuition said, take the job. This seems like a great thing to do. And here I am 35 years later. Um, So a a little moral to the story is sometimes you have to um, listen to your gut and your intuition and uh, start a journey um, that might be unexpected.
1: I, I love this story. And so I have to ask another question that's not in our our kind of prepared list, but when you talked about how really it was you took a risk, a leap of faith. And so maybe can you talk about how that early risk taking has helped you in your career? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's um
0: so important. And I talk a lot about that in terms of um having the courage to push oneself to the edge. And if all we do is take assignments or jobs that feel safe, or where we feel we have all of the capabilities to take that job, um, we could have a. I think I believe that one can have a satisfying um, career, but I think where the most growth happens, and I know this is true for for me, is when I've pushed myself to that edge, and in roles that I've taken that have been pivotal in my career have been those roles where I go in with a little bit of nervousness and I'm not sure, can I do this? Um, and that risk-taking um, and that courage means that we're making ourselves vulnerable for making mistakes and perhaps sometimes even stum- stumbling and making having some failures along the way. But each time that we come across one of those decisions or one of those opportunities to push ourselves to the edge, it's an opportunity for growth and learning. And I think that the more that we can get comfortable in taking some of those risks and and having the courage to push ourselves to the edge is really where the magic happens. And I am going to be actually talking about some of these things in the keynote coming up in May.
1: I, I had a sense you might be. Um, well, I love how you talk about, you know, being uncomfortable and that I think it's when we sort of embrace that feeling of being nervous or uncomfortable, like you said, that the magic happens. But I think sometimes the the fear of failure is even more intense for women than it is for men. So is there, I, I mean, do you have any anecdotes or, or um, stories you can share about maybe when it didn't go as planned and how you recover from that?
0: yeah there's there's a lot of 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 times in the past where um, things don't go as planned. um and it's a little bit hard to actually pick pick the right one. but i I, I think what is is really important is um, understanding, you know, what's the worst that will happen if this doesn't work out. I think clearly, in the field of engineering, we need to make sure if 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 we're a structural engineer, we need to make sure that. You know, the building is going to stand and 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 people aren't hurt. But if oftentimes fear of failure has to do if something doesn't work out, maybe it's just my ego that's bruised, or maybe I won't look good in front of my colleagues or in front of my boss. Um, and so I think a method that I have used is what's the worst that happens or that will happen if this doesn't go well? And if it's not going to be a safety issue or it's not going to have a detrimental impact to the business, um, then oftentimes I can get over just maybe my ego being bruised. Um, and I look at it more as a as a learning opportunity. And when we encounter failures and use them as uh, learning instances and learning events, we grow through that. And a lot of times it's just about being able to pick yourself up. And I've had times where Something didn't go the way I wanted to. I was maybe passed over for a promotion. And I, I remember this one situation where I was just, um, I was so upset and um, found myself just in tears that evening with my husband. And I can't believe this. And, and I was a little bit of a pity party. And um, the next day, I just asked myself, really, am I going to let this hold me back? And I just sort of had to pick myself up, put my big girl pants on and, and keep going and have that resilience. To uh, continue to pursue, so it's it's okay to stumble and uh, and not feel good about things, um, but use those as learning opportunities.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree, and I think that's a good transition just into talking about overcoming obstacles in general. And maybe you can share a little bit how you've done that in your career.
0: The um, w- when I think back early in my career. I think many of the obstacles came from being the only one, perhaps being the only woman in a room, being the only woman on a construction site. Um, early in my career, I remember times where people would just pass over me. I wasn't being recognized for what I could contribute. Um, and some of those obstacles were also things that I would tell myself, that little inner gremlin voice um, would tell me that maybe the only reason why I was selected is because I was the only woman in the room. and, and um, I had, again, that voice was, was pretty strong for me. And, and when I think back about how I overcame those obstacles, it was really around figuring out how to move past them and how to be resilient um, and being able to speak up for yourself, um, being able to come back to the table and not give up or be discouraged. And also, I, I, I realized that a lot of times I didn't fall into the victim role. I didn't play the blame game. Um, If there was an obstacle, it's like, okay, what do I need to do to move past this obstacle, to go around this obstacle? Sometimes it might only be a day or two. Sometimes it would take me longer. Um, But I always encourage women and and anyone really that faces obstacles is is not to play the victim role. Think about and ask yourself, what can I be doing differently? Um, Do I need to speak up more? Uh, Do I need to. Rely on some mentors or allies to help me around a particular obstacle, but just don't give up and figure out how to move um, past past these obstacles. And and we all will face obstacles and setbacks. And even today in my current role, you know, there's obstacles, but it's just around having that resilience.
1: I, I love the word resilience. I've been doing some some interviews during the pandemic, and it seems like that's a word that keeps coming up as a as a trait. That people who are leading teams are really looking for, and so maybe can you t- just talk about um, some advice for engineers who are who want to move up the leadership ranks? And besides something like resilience, what what else are you looking for? What what else do they need to have?
0: Yeah. So when I um, talk to uh, women who want to pursue um, you know leadership roles, whether it's in engineering or actually any field for for that matter. I think it's important to know what you're passionate about and what motivates you. Uh, that is going to, I think, really sort of set the path, and and that speaks to one's authentic self. Um, and and when you know what motivates you, you can actually um, clearly sort of articulate those things, and 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 that's important. You know, we talked earlier about being courageous and taking risks. Um, Those are also uh, important things to pursue. And I would also say, um, you know, don't go it alone. When you think about your career, when you think about your aspirations, um, figure out the ways to unleash your potential. And that could be through understanding, again, what motivates you. by working with others and uh, networking. Uh, so those are all different things. And always have a learning mindset. Uh, be curious and l- be self-aware and know what you don't know and figure out how to either uh, gain that skill, gain that capability, or as a leader, find people to be on your team that can plug that gap for you. So really that that curiosity and enterprise mindset, I think, is also quite helpful.
1: And, and you mentioned you know, networking, and I know that mentoring, you're very passionate about that. So what advice or tips would you have, especially for people younger in their career, about finding that mentor and, and building that network?
0: This is an area that if I could go back and do a do-over in my career, I would do differently um, because I didn't spend a lot of time early in my career trying to Um, build community, and uh, look for mentors. And I wish I had. So my first bit of advice is uh, for women to reach out and and build that community, build that network. And mentoring can take many forms. So mentoring can be something from asking for some advice from a wise sage, um, maybe somebody more senior in the organization. It could also be asking one's peers for advice and guidance, um, you know, meeting other engineers like at these SWE events. Although this year it will, will be virtually, but but find that community because through that um, network, um, I think it also can provide opportunities to um, share similar stories. Um, you know, seek and provide guidance, and so think about mentoring um, in in different ways. And I also encourage young engineers to think about how they can give back and mentor as well. Um, so how can everyone pay it forward? So if you're early in your career, how might you be able to support women engineers in college or in high school? So, um, it really is, is this true sort of, um, ecosystem, but I, I really can't, um, speak enough about building those connections and that network. And, and Make the time to do that. Um, and that was what I, early in my career, said, oh, I, I can't be bothered with that. I don't have time. And I, I always saw it as a sort of a negative, like, well, you're just networking to pass out a business card and to do small talk. And I, I didn't place a lot of value on that. And I, I, I wish I would have done it differently.
1: I, I love the part where you said about making the time because I know even personally, I'm involved in some CEO groups and when an event is coming up, I'm thinking, oh, I don't have time for this. I have so much to do. And then I participate and I feel so much more energized when I, I'm done with the event and feeling like I've got this great network of colleagues that I can go to with questions or concerns or, or just when you're feeling like, is it worth it? And so I think you've got to make the time.
0: Well, and even even beyond just that personal um, energy, it also becomes um, something that can help the business. And so for me to be able to call my counterparts at other pharma companies to say, hey, we have this challenge right now. What are you guys doing about this? I mean, that's the power of networking. Or even as a leader, when I'm looking to recruit talent, having those connections externally. So there's multiple benefits from uh, mentoring and, um, uh, and and having those external connections.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so making the time, I think that's a, a good transition to the next question about it can be really difficult to balance a, a senior leadership role as well as family, other interests that you may have. So kind of how do you do that? How do you disconnect from the work piece and make time for those other things that um, bring joy to life.
0: Well, if if this wasn't a podcast, you'd see me uh, smiling from ear to ear because my answer to that is I probably don't do that very well, <laughs> balancing things. At least if you were to ask my husband. Um, but but joking aside, um, I learned early on that it's important to know your true north and what really matters, and that you should always align your decisions. Around that true North and be um, unapologetic about that and, and i'll t- I'll give you a story about w- what I mean by that is I think um early in my career, I was uh, very focused, very motivated to just work hard and and put the long hours in and um after many, many years um, when uh, we finally had a young daughter, uh it really i think was quite an awakening for me to say, wow, you know, here I've got this new baby and how do I really put things um, in perspective? And I had been doing quite a bit of traveling at that time. And um, when the traveling sort of subsided, I thought to myself, you know, I want to spend a little bit more time, you know, getting Mara ready to go. Two days a week, she would go to her little nursery school. She was around two, three years old at the time. And, um, I would, we had a, a, an agreement at that time that if you're going to be into the office a little bit later, uh, put a note on your office door. This was back when we had offices, um, you know, in around 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And so I put a note on my door, you know, Tuesday and Thursday mornings, you know, in at 9, 30, because those were the mornings that I was going to be taking Mara to, uh, to nursery school. I got halfway down the hall and I I thought to myself, wait a second, I I need to go back and change that sign. So I took the sign off the door, rewrote it and said, in at 9, 930, taking Mara to nursery school uh, on on these mornings. And the reason why I I put that down is I wanted to to set an example that it's okay to make your family a priority. And um, I also made a decision that I would not be gone uh, or traveling if there was something like, you know, Halloween or an event at her school, because those are important memories and moments that you never get back. And so that's an example of what I mean by know your true north and, and what really matters. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a child. There's, you know, people out there that don't have children, but whatever it is, make sure that... Um, you align your decisions to that to that true north. Um, and and for me, it was it was my family. And um, I oftentimes uh, hear that, well, you know, my manager won't accept that or or what if my manager or my boss uh, doesn't support me in those decisions? And I said, well, then find yourself another manager or boss. You have choices. And I oftentimes think that sometimes we're our own worst enemy um, Enemy from that perspective, but it's important to know what recharges us. It's important to know what refuels the tank. Um, on the weekend, I don't work on the weekends uh, unless there's you know in a, an emergency or something. In some jobs, there would be emergencies that I'd have to deal with, but I need to unwind, and I I do that through spending time in the kitchen. I love to cook, and I love to garden. And that's my creative outlet, um, and I need to take that time so that I can come back to work on Monday, um, fully energized and uh, with with the uh, the gas tank fuel full yeah. excuse me.
1: I- I'm so glad you shared that story, Carla. That story about your office door and the sign, you shared that with me one of the first times we met. And when I was looking at the questions for today, I said, if we don't touch on that, I'm going to ask her about (laughs) it because it really stuck with me. And I think about the example for younger employees and, and for the men too. Yes. That it it, being your authentic self and sharing that, I'm sure made a huge difference for all of those that were coming behind you.
0: You know, and I'll, I'll share a, a, another story as well that's similar. And, you know, now that we're, you know, working from our home offices on my bulletin board, I have this um, it's a fan, it's like this wicker fan, you know, that you would fan yourselves with. And there is writing from a little kindergartner that says, Dear mommy, Mother's Day breakfast. Friday, May 7th, 8 to 8.30, love your biggest fan, Mara. And the reason why I still have, my daughter, by the way, is 17 years old now. But the reason why I have this in here is we were living in Singapore and I was scheduled for a business trip to Switzerland. And I looked at, it and I said, oh, I'll be back on Friday. Mother's Day is on Sunday. And two weeks before that trip, she comes home from school with this invitation on this fan. And it was on that Friday, and I wasn't due home, due to be home until 6.30 that evening from the flight. And my heart just sank, and I thought to myself, what do I do? And I decided I was not going to go on that business trip. It was a 30-minute coffee in a kindergarten classroom, and I chose not to go on a business trip because I thought to myself, I will never get those 30 minutes back. And I called my boss. I said, here's the reasons why I won't be at the meeting. It was a two-day meeting. I said, I will be on the phone. I will stay up at odd hours. um, But this is why, and this is important to me. And quite frankly, I don't think anybody in that meeting, you know, this many years later will remember that I wasn't at that meeting, but I remember that I wasn't there. And the reason why I have this fan right in front of me in my office is a reminder of what my true north is. Yeah,
1: I I remember my first SWE conference when I started with SWE back in 2004, we had an executive panel at our conference that year, and one of the senior women was talking about outsourcing and how you should do the things and be present for the things only you can do and then outsource the other things. So if it's, like you said, a, a school event or something where only you can be there, you're only the mom only you can fill that role but if there's other things housework gardening landscaping shopping whatever it might be if you're pressed for time those are things that anybody can do and so focus on the things that only you can do and it sounds like that's kind of been your true north from the very beginning
0: yeah and it's it's not easy it's it's hard uh, and um sometimes we don't always make the right decisions but um but at the end of the day it's it's again just be unapologetic and, and and stick to your true north.
1: Well, I just have one more question. And so here we are in 2021. And what would you say your hopes and aspirations are for the future of women in engineering?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. We've come a long way, um, I think, from when I remember being a young girl uh, thinking about um, pursuing a field in engineering. We've come a long way, but we're definitely not where we uh, need to be. So there's a lot of work that are still um, ahead of us. And and today, unfortunately, I think women still are often the minority uh, in engineering. So my hopes and aspirations are that um, young girls and, and women can follow their dreams if they have dreams to pursue um, careers in engineering and STEM, and that one day we have a world where there's parity in that, both in representation and in pay. And where um, together diversity and inclusion is just part of how we operate. And uh, we're not having to talk about this all the time and that we have uh, a diverse field because w- when I think about um, DNI, um, is a critical enabler for innovation. And so if we want to be bringing um, new solutions, whether they're technology solutions or for us at Roche, um, new medicines, new medical advances, we need to have that innovation. And the only way we're going to do that is by truly, um, embedding, uh, DNI into our everyday practices. So my hopes and aspirations for future of women is, um, that, uh, we continue on this journey and accelerate it and that we have, um, we have women well-represented in all aspects of engineering.
1: I love that. I'm right with you. I want to see us accelerate it. Um, I think about SWE being 71 years old, and, and I hope that in another 70 years, we're not having still having these conversations. That, Like you said, it's kind of become just a fabric of the profession and that everyone can bring their authentic selves. Exactly. Well, Carla, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. As I said at the beginning, I am so excited for your keynote at our WeLocal Europe. Um, And as a reminder to our listeners, it's not too late to register for WeLocal Europe. Head to welocal.swe.org to learn more and to register for this year's virtual event. I'm Karen Hording, and for all of us at SWE, thank you for listening.